it all started with a really boring meeting. You know, the kind where you just sit there and zone out while others are speaking. Hell, the way you're zoning out right now while I'm speaking. In this case, though, an idea popped into Takashi Nishiyama's head. An idea from an old kung fu game of his that he wanted to expand upon. So Nishimawa starts scribbling this idea down on a piece of paper. Just scribbling, scribbling it away. And when he's done, on this single piece of paper is the first frame, the framework of one of the most successful video game franchises of all time, Street Fighter. Today we're going to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Street Fighter. We're going to talk all about the game. We're going to talk about its creator, Takashi Nishiyama. And we're going to look back at the impact that Street Fighter has had on the gaming industry. So stick around and join us for today's trip down memory card lane. Good afternoon and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 102nd episode of our video game nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we'll tell you a story about one game relevant to the current week in gaming history. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week we're looking back at Street Fighter which was originally released as an arcade cabinet in Japan on August 12th, 1987, 35 years ago. So we'll be celebrating its 35th anniversary. I'm David Kasson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who still practices the rough-and-tumble martial arts form. Seriously, look it up, guys. He's my brother, Rob Kasson. Rob, why you gotta be like that, man? Hey, man, sometimes when you want to throw down, you just gotta throw down. But gouging people's eyes out, really? Hey, whatever it takes, you know? The streets are mean. You can't can't be slacking. I mean, the streets are full of fighters. Hmm? Exactly. Hmm? Hmm? You hmm? gotta be ready. You definitely gotta be ready. Hey, what have you been playing this week? Well, Dave, this week I played some Escape from Tarkov. Mm-hmm. Some Rocket League, mm-hmm. some RuneScape, mm-hmm. some Oxygen not included. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything else. How about you? I played also Rocket League, also Oxygen not included. I finished the main storyline on Cyberpunk 2077. I played some of another story game based game called um, As Dusk Falls that just came out on Game Pass. And me do believe that'll about do it. It, I mean, it, I guess that's a lot to talk about, huh? Yeah, that's quite the list of games this week, Dave. It is. It's been a lot of games. It's uh, it has good week, good week, good week, good week. So, Rob, Street Fighter, you a fan of the series in general? I enjoy the series. It's not my favorite of the side-scrolling fighters. I don't know if that's really what you want to call it. 2D. No, it is. I, the only one I've ever really known you to be into is Smash Brothers, really. Tekken. Tekken, that's true. We were big into Tekken way back. Oh, yeah. Tekken was definitely my go-to over Street Fighter. Um, but then also Mortal Kombat. Yeah, there's Mortal Kombat. I had a Soul Calibur. Um, I did. I did get get a kick. I do actually still uh, love Soul Calibur for that was one of my favorites, especially when they had the Star Wars DLC. That was sweet. <laughs> Street Fighter. Today we're going to talk about the original Street Fighter, and I, you know, I don't think that there's a lot that's known about the original Street Fighter. It definitely is shadowed by its sequel street fighter 2 and street fighter 2 we're not going to get too much into it but that i mean it revolutionized things that one that one cemented things for us but it all kind of started here you know uh, 
the original did a lot of really cool things. The original gave us the series and it gave us a lot of the conventions that um, it gave us a lot of the conventions that we, that are now staples of the, of the industry. It was, it it has a lot of firsts and we're going to talk all about them today. So you ready to learn about street fighter? I sure am Dave. All right. Well, it all started with one man, Takashi Nishiyama. He's sometimes credited in these games as Piston Takashi. I just like that, Piston. If you're a Street Fighter fan, you'll recognize the word Piston. It's where it came from. So Piston Takashi. He started working in the video game industry in the early 1980s, working for an arcade company called Irem. His first game credit was as a game designer on a 1982 arcade title called Moon Patrol. Now, Moon Patrol is a fairly straightforward game. You control a moon buggy. It travels across the moon's surface. You have to jump over or shoot various obstacles. There are alien attackers that come after you. It was just a a cool side-scrolling game. I don't think it's a very well-known game. But it does really hold some historical significance to the video game industry because it is recognized as the first game to introduce full parallax scrolling in a side-scrolling game. Now, I say full because it's the second game to use parallax scrolling. The first one was a 1981 game called Jump Bug that used it in a very limited form. This was the first game to introduce full parallax scrolling. Now, parallax scrolling is very common if you've played a video game, chances are that you've seen it before. You may not know what it is. Uh, in case you're curious, parallax scrolling is a trick where the background images move past the screen more slowly than what's in the foreground. Now, this gives 2D games an illusion of depth. Um, this was a trick that they borrowed from the old Disney cartoons of the like the 20s, 30s, the early stuff where they did multiplane cameras. They basically took the same concept of multiplane, which is used to create depth, and they recreate it in a video game. And here we call that parallax scrolling. So Moon Patrol was the first to have parallax scrolling. Takashi creates Moon Patrol, moves on from moon patrol his next game is a a really influential arcade title called kung fu master so kung fu oh i played kung fu master we were just talking about games that we played this week i actually played through kung fu master because i couldn't remember it so add one more to my list this week rob wow that's very interesting dave (laughs) so kung fu master is a side-scrolling beat-em-up game that was designed by Nishiyama, and it was released by Irem as an arcade cabinet in 1984. It took its inspiration from the Bruce Lee film The Game of Death, which is what the whole, the base, this this movie is, the, the whole game concept is what this movie is. Also, it's really loosely adapted from Jackie Chan's 1984 film Meals on Wheels, which was known as Spartan X in Japan. In fact, when Kung Fu Master was released in Japan, it was actually licensed from the Spartan X movie. So it's known in Japan as Spartan X, but it's known over here as an arcade cabinet as Kung Fu Master. And then it was ported to systems as Kung Fu, which we'll talk about in just a moment. So the idea... This game originally started out as a... They wanted to create a side-scrolling shooter that was rhythmic. Um, and so the idea was kind of to take like the shoot 'em up gameplay on games like Moon Patrol and to combine to combine it with fighting elements in a more, like I said, rhythmic manner is kind of what they do it, how they looked at it. They weren't looking to do this, but the but what they ended up doing was creating what we now see as the very first beat 'em up brawler in video game history kung fu master was the the, the very first one and we you know what's funny rob one of our friends asked that in a discord recently didn't they what didn't someone say there wasn't a game before street fighter and i was kind of floored by it and i was like there were kung fu games yeah that absolutely happened not i think like this week actually <laughs> it's like so i was like wait a minute there were games before then 
Actually, uh, I think they said that it was Mortal Kombat was the first they, they thought. They did say Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I was kind of beside myself with that one. So, but Kung Fu Master here was the first. Now, in this game, you are a Kung Fu Master named Thomas who has to fight his way through five levels of the Devil's Temple to rescue his girlfriend Sylvia from the crime boss whose name is Mr. X. So you go through a level, you know, you finish it, you climb up to the next tower, and there's five levels. As you climb the tower, there you have to fight enemies along the way, and at the end of each level, there is an end-of-level boss battle. Sounds like a pretty straightforward um, level design, right? Yeah, pretty standard. You know, you get to the boss, Thomas and each boss each have their own health meter, and the game temporarily becomes a one-on-one fighting game during these battles. Which was something kind of new. There really wasn't another one that had this kind of a style. I mean, this was the first beat-em-up brawler. And even right here in the beginning, we see the beginnings of kind of this one-on- this one-on-one concept. Now, the impact of Kung Fu Master... It, it, I don't think it's a well-known game, but it... It's very, very important, very important to to video game history. It's influence like reverberated through a lot of early games. So aside from being the first beat 'em up, it pretty much established the walk forward and beat up dudes trend that that beat 'em up and brawler games took forever. It like like I just made a note of. It's pretty much the game that invented the common level structure of progress through the level, fight a boss at the end. And in case you didn't know, um, this game came from... I said that this game had come from the Game of Death, right? And the Game of Death is where Lee's character has to fight a different boss character on each floor as he ascends a pagoda. And that's exactly how this game is designed. So you have the concept of different bosses at each one. And this was an earlier example of that, too. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on here. It is also a side-scrolling character action game, technically, and it its its contribution there is pretty cool. So when this game was released in arcades, it was super popular. So of course, you know, money, and then it was ported over to other platforms. No surprise there, right? Right. So one of those platforms was the Famicom. We know it as the NES, and the team that ported the game over was led by none other than legendary video game designer Shigeru Miyamoto. Now, there's little to no chance that we'll not ever cover the game at some point, so I'm not going to delve into these concepts much, but Miyamoto cites his development work on this port, specifically calls out Kung Fu as one of the key factors behind the creation of Super Mario Bros., so it's really interesting to think that if there wasn't a Kung Fu, if there would have ever been a serial Super Mario Brothers, since it's like there's three games, he says, hey, it was these three games that led me here. And Kung Fu, which not a lot of people know about, is actually one of them, which I think is pretty cool, frankly. That is pretty cool, actually. Do you know what the other games are? I don't. Recall. I can't. I can't. Did we I, ever talk about it? I don't think no, so. we've, we've never done Super Mario Brothers. I can't remember all of them, but I know that uh, one of them was Excite Bike. Excite Bike and Kung Fu were two of the three games that led to Super Mario Brothers. They each they each gave him ideas that he put together in that game. Hmm. Be interesting to find out what the third one is. So Kung Fu was also one of the first NES titles that originated from a third party developer, but was made in house by Nintendo. So for historians of Nintendo as a company's video game history, it's just, it's historically relevant in that respect too. Kung Fu Master, or in this case Spartan X because it was Japan, is also cited by Akira Toriyama, your big Toriyama fan. Indeed. Um, as his inspiration for the Red Ribbon Army saga, which is found in the original Dragon Ball series. Wow. Specifically, it's the Muscle Tower arc, which involves Goku ascending an enemy base and fighting enemies on each on each floor. Uh, and Kung Fu, the game here, is where he got that idea from. 
ironically, I just started rewatching the original Dragon Ball series. So now when I watch that, I can be amazed. So I'm going to try this Kung Fu uh, game out so that I can see the resemblance. Oh, it's short. It's like 10 minutes from beginning. Well, if you if you I always play it when I want to play games like this, I'll play it with either the rewind feature or I'll play it with cheats just to blow through it to be able to play it. If you do it that way, it's no more than 15, 20 minutes. So um, I, I don't have a lot of time. I'll admit to cheating once in a while. Boo. I know. Now, let's go back for a moment, because if you'll recall, I said that the brains behind this game was uh, they were belonging to Takashi Nishiyama. Now, Takashi designed this game and worked on it alongside a design team. But while working on this game, he was invited to join Capcom by its founder, Kenzo Sujimoto. And so he ended up accepting that offer and leaving the company before Kung Fu Master was finished and he went to work at Capcom. So he didn't actually see the game through. He laid down the form of it and he moved on. He took the concepts, though, from Kung Fu and he evolved them as he worked on his first Capcom project. Now, this was a 1986 arcade cabinet called Trojan. Trojan was a side-scrolling action game that included beat-em-up and hack-and-slash hack and elements. The beat-em-up elements, he took inspiration from Kung Fu Master, while the hack-and-slash elements were borrowed from a title that we've covered in a recent episode, Ghosts and Goblins. Um, in fact, Trojan was marketed as a spiritual successor of Ghosts and Goblins. Like Kung Fu Master, Trojan was ported over to the NES and when they brought this port over they included a one-on-one -on -one fighting mode in the game so Trojan was the first Capcom game to include any kind of one-on-one -on -one fighting mode and Trojan became yet another step on Nishiyama's way to create today's topic as a matter of fact literally a matter of fact Street Fighter was conceived because Nishiyama was bored in a meeting. This is this is not me conflagrating or, or, or embracing or making things up. Nishiyama has literally given us the story in interviews. And this is where Street Fighter came from, which cracks me up every time. We've, we've talked about weird stuff, but he was sitting in a long meeting... It was a meeting between the sales team and the development team, and he was bored out of his mind. You know, these were meetings that he normally had no interest in, so he's sitting in the back, and he would frequently daydream during these meetings. If that isn't a mood, I do not know what is. <laughs> oh, man. And I've been called out for sleeping in meetings before, so I know that I do this. On this particular day, however... The idea for Street Fighter popped into his head and he took a he took a piece of paper uh, that was sitting nearby in front of him and he started to draw out his idea on a piece of paper. Now, sitting next to him was another Capcom producer, Yoshiki Okamoto, who, ironically enough, uh, had nothing to do with this one. But he ended up being the guy that would be asked to produce Street Fighter 2. And he looks at Okamoto and he asked him what he thought about it. And Okamoto said that it looked very interesting. I actually, so Okamoto has a YouTube channel and uh, I went through it. And uh, some of the episodes that he did are English uh, subbed. And one of the ones happens to be an interview where he got to sit back down with Nishiyama and they retold the story. Uh, they, they retold the story. So I, I got, I got to see them talk about this firsthand, which was really fascinating. So he asked Okamoto. Okamoto says it looked very industry. interesting. Now Nishiyama's idea came to him as he was thinking back to Kung Fu Master. He had always wanted to build a game around the one-on-one -on -one boss battles that, that were part of that game. And this became the basis for his idea on Street Fighter. 
So he scribbles down this concept. He basically draws out like the single frame. This is what I'm thinking for the game. Here's some ideas. And he takes it to a, a designer in Capcom, Hiroshi Matsumoto. Uh, Matsumoto became the planner on Street Fighter. He was immediately excited when it was brought to him. He was very heavy into martial arts at the time. And the idea just got his creative juices flowing. He began to think about all the different characters, the fighting styles, all the moves that were possible. So right from the get-go, this was a project that Matsumoto was very much into. So the planner takes it and the design team gets to work, right? Right. They take inspiration from Bruce Lee's film, Enter the Dragon. Both in this game, Street Fighter, and that movie, Enter the Dragon... Both are centered upon an international fighting term tournament. Each of them have different characters that both that, that they all have their own ethnicity, their own nationality and their own fighting styles. And now while we're on the topic of movies and influences, that's where the title of street fighter comes from. They borrowed that from Sonny Chiba's 1974 martial arts film, the street fighter. And then even further, since we'll, I don't know where else we'll have a chance to talk about this, what's the most famous move from the Street Fighter series, Rob? Hadouken. The Hadouken. This was inspired by a 1970s anime series called Space Battleship Yamato. In Space Battleship Yamato, there's an energy attack called the Haduho, which literally means wave motion gun. And this is repurposed as the Hadouken in the street fighter series um hmm. now since i'm giving you fun facts i'm going to give you one more about street fighter one of the members of the design team that's working on this game at this point in the story is someone very influential that we've covered in a previous episode so kaiji inafune who is basically the face of mega man the guy that everyone cre credits the creation of mega man to he got his start with capcom as a designer on Street Fighter here. His job was to design and illustrate some of the character portraits that are found in the game. And, and there you go. They put it all together. They go, they work on it. And basically 35 years ago this week, they create Street Fighter and they release it in arcades and, and it's a hit. Now, Rob, have you ever played the original Street Fighter or tripped on it or stumbled across it? Not the original one. No, I cannot say that I have. And like I alluded to in the beginning, I think that's going to be the case. I don't think a lot of people are going to know the original game here. Because Street Fighter as a series didn't really mean anything to most people until the release of the second one, which we have for the SNES and it's fantastic. So I think let's take a moment and talk about the original game. Um, it's a competitive fighting game. If you don't know what Street Fighter is, you compete in a series of one on one matches against computer controlled opponents or in one single match against another player. Each match has three rounds. You play primarily as Rue, who competes in the Street Fighter tournament to prove your strength. And if you join the cabinet as player two, you played as Ken who competes as he's basically his former partner and current rival competing against him. So you normally play as Rue unless a second player jumps in. And then if Ken won, the player as Ken could then continue the tournament against the computer as Ken and Rue and Ken were the only playable characters. You can only be one or the other. And there were eight computer controlled opponents that you would work your way through. And that, that was the game. Um, that was the entire game. You know what, what the second one introduced, I think a lot of people are familiar with is a lot of choice of characters, but we weren't really there yet with the first one. You literally had two characters you could play from really only one, because the only way you could play as Ken is if you jumped into a match as player two, you really only played as Rue. Uh, if you, if you think about it now, if you go out there, you can find two different versions of this arcade cabinet. When they first released this game, they wanted to create a luxury cabinet. It was a deluxe cabinet. They wanted to make something that was over the top, 
that would look good and play good and really encourage arcade owners to spend substantially more money on a cabinet like this than they would on a normal cabinet. So they made the deluxe cabinet and the deluxe cabinet is unique. You definitely know it. If you saw it, it has a joystick or two joysticks, one for each player. And it has only two really large, what we call mechatronic pads for buttons. One was labeled kick and one was labeled punch. And depending on how hard you pressed each button, that would return what type of punch or kick your character would do. It was an analog button that responded to the amount of pressure that you gave on it. Oh, where, was it a button? Because when I was reading, I thought it was like more like a punch bag. Of it's some like kind. A, it's a pad. It looks <laughs> okay. We, we would call it more like a pad. I think it's more reminiscent of like the the drums on a drum game than it is of a button in a thing. I mean, this thing is a, this thing is large. Think of it the size of more of a drum pad and not the size of a little button. Um, but it, it's it, re, it reminds me a lot of, um, you know, like a drummer, how they have a practice pad. Like, you yeah, have, you have that. Yeah, yeah. You have a standalone practice pad. That's what it looks like to me. It's just this really, really big button. It had two giant buttons. And like I said, one was able to punch, one was able to kick. And if you hit it really hard, you got a heavy kick or punch. And if you tapped it, you got a light kick or punch. Um, it was exhausting. People who played the first cabinet said it was a very physical game. It required a lot of nuance. It People would get excited and they would put a lot of effort into the button. So it, it was very tiring to play. People would scrape up their knuckles on it. Their, you know, bloody knuckles, bloody elbows. It was, um, it was interesting. You don't see a lot of them nowadays. Um, because of all the feedback they were getting and the problems, they actually went and they created a, an alternate version of the cabinet. And this alternate version is pretty much what we know as an arcade fighting game today. It has a standard joystick and a six button controller. There'd be three buttons for kick, three buttons for punch, a light, a medium, and a an heavy of each. Now, this combination of a joystick and six buttons is the golden standard for fighting games. Arcade cabinets pretty much use it to this day as as their control scheme. So one other thing about um, about this game, you know, you had your light, medium and heavy kicks. The fight each of the two fighters had a series of special moves. We just talked about the Hadouken. Um these special moves could only be used when you use the joystick and the buttons in very specific button combinations from very specific positions. And Street Fighter is actually the very first game to ever use that type of con a, a convention. There were no games before it that had ever used command-based special effects. Um, aside from that, it introduced the concept of blocking to the genre. There were no fighting games that blocked before. And it was also the very first game that allowed you to interrupt a match. So like if you went up to a cabinet and you put money in and the first player was playing against um, the computer, well, you would immediately interrupt their match to do a, a versus and fighting games kind of have that same concept to where a lot of them, you can interrupt matches that way. Um, and that's a concept that, um, that was spawned here in the original street fighter as well. So street fighter gave us some pretty cool things, Rob. That it did. That that is a lot, a lot, a lot. It it is well, and it did more than that, which we'll talk about as we get into its legacy. But before we do that, uh, why don't we give some merit to what people thought about the game? What do we have for reviews today? Well, Dave, as is usually the case with these older games, it's not very easy to find reviews. Nope, it never is. So we do have a couple of reviews, but these are ones that are looking at it from a more modern lens, but still they try to do the best they can to attribute to the fact that it is through a modern lens and look back at it from that time. But with that, we will start off with our first critic review. And this is from David Hogan from HoganReviews.co.uk. And David says that two characters fight with you controlling Ryu only. 
The loser is the one whose health is depleted first, and you do this by punching or kicking, flying kicking, crouching, blocking, and pulling off one of three special moves. If the quite stingy time limit ends, then the person with the most health wins. If it's a tie, the CPU wins automatically. That's the gist of the original Street Fighter. There are too many games during arcade mode to break the boredom, briefly. That all being said, it doesn't play well. It's excruciatingly slow, the moves are hard to pull off due to the stiffness of the controls, and the animations pale in comparison to later efforts, either by the same creators, <clears throat> even by the same creators. That's okay. And the animations pale in comparison to later efforts, even by the same creators. The graphics don't look great. The sprites are alright for the time, but they're not very pretty to look at now. Though, he does at least compliment the stages for looking quite good and detailed. Again, the age of the game means this isn't him criticizing it for being up to modern standards. But he does say it's still not very nice to look at. David continues to say that sound isn't much better either, even compared to other Capcom titles released at the same time. The background music is very muddled and often unpleasant to the ears, and the voice samples? Well, they leave a lot to be desired. It's safe to say that the series got off to a slow start in all areas, innovative controls aside. He does finish this by saying that Street Fighter should be credited for innovating fighting game control methods, and therefore deserves its place in history. But compared to all Street Fighter 2 did for the genre, and how that game is still more than playable, it also has to be said that the original is best left unplayed. He did say that he did get did got used to it enough to get far, but he didn't enjoy the experience. So overall, pretty negative from David. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave, next up, I don't have an author's name, but this is from HonestGamers.com. And they start off by saying Capcom Street Fighter series was the progenitor of fighting games, and today it is still respected in the hearts of beat 'em up fans and general gamers alike. When you think of Street Fighter, I guarantee you will immediately think of Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition, possibly the most famous fighting game in history. True. I mean, personally, it's, no. It's, it's true for me. I that I mean, that's it. That's it for me. That was everyone played Street Fighter 2. It was everywhere. That is, yeah, that's absolutely true for me. So I, I don't know if it was for me, but hey, you know, different genres different genres different generations well yeah i mean <laughs> arcades arcades were kind of dying by the time you you know got a chance to start enjoying this stuff so absolutely they were the original street fighter however remains almost forgotten now probably due to the reason it mainly lay in the arcades of the late 80s and was knocked aside for the good of us all when the sequel came out one point you have to consider in Street Fighter is the game's difficulty and how it varies immensely. You could play it one day and kick the crap out of all of the opponents with about two direct Hadouken fireballs and a few jabs to the head. Then you'll think, holy crap, that was easy, and let your guard down, only to be royally trounced in round two by the same opponent. Also, you'll discover that most special moves will take almost over a quarter of the opponent's health bar in one contact, which also works the other way around. This was a bit tedious, as all of a sudden, before you realize it, you've lost the match without even laying a scratch on the opponent. Also, another problem was the cranky controls and the sheer difficulty it was to pull off another move except Hadouken, which was so easy to pull off that it was almost addictive in a sense. To pull out a hurricane kick or a dragon punch, it takes a driving strain to get the controls right, and it's better to just knock their block off with a roundhouse kick or a few jabs. The time you take trying to pull off moves is tiresome and basically allowed to be open for a merciless attack by your opponent. Looking at the game's presentation, you'll be able to see more pros than cons. The sprites are well drawn, and although the detail is reasonable, they look not too bad. Of course, there are a few problems with them. The animation is reasonably choppy, 
and you'll notice how the characters will jerk and twitch around like someone who's had way too much caffeine. But the backdrops of the areas look lovely. They also touch on the speech saying that one could be entertained just listening to the poor yet somewhat funny dialogue and the speech is muffled and comes out distorted. Following suit, the loud and annoying sound effects. Every punch followed by a grunt and most moves have a name that the fighter has to blurt out as he executes it, which pierces your head after the first bout. Honest Gamer finishes review off by saying that after playing Street Fighter 2 for years and then coming back to this, you'll realize the game hasn't aged well. Although it spawned possibly the greatest fighting series ever, it was a letdown, to say the least. It isn't a bad game when you consider the merits, but it certainly isn't what it's cracked up to be. A bit of a letdown, but it could be worse. True enough. True enough, Dave. I I'm in the boat with all of them. I mean, I I went back and had an opportunity to play the original Street Fighter. It it it's never stuck with me because of how they just they improved on everything for Street Fighter Two. Thank thankfully, <laughs> it's I mean thankfully. So right on, Dave. I mean, I never have played this one myself, but it seems pretty unanimously that uh, critics find that the game sucks. But as always, we don't just like to listen to the critics because they're getting paid to play these games. So their opinion kind of can be a little biased, even if it is entirely negative towards the game. Uh, But anywho, this is the time where I think it's time to go and talk about the gamers. What do you say? Did people like this game? Uh, yeah, I wish I could say I, I, it, it. There's not a lot of reviews out there, Dave. I'll be honest with you, but I did manage to find a few people who man who were talking about this on the internet, and I'll I'll let their words do the talking for me here, and let you get the gist of how they feel. So first up, we have user Michael the Cuts from Reddit, who picked up the 30th anniversary collection of Street Fighter, having never played any of the games before. He dipped his toes in all the games, favorites, Super Street Fighter 2, all of the Alpha games. And Third Strike. After playing around with a bunch of the games, Michael played all of the way through the first game. Of course, on the easiest difficulty, save spamming. I'm not the only one. I, yeah, yeah, you know, I guess you're not, Dave. But Michael couldn't believe how broken the game is. He says your moves will frequently connect to no damage. Your opponent can knock you out in two hits. Performing a special move is inconsistent at best. And the balance of all those special moves is hilarious. He could go on and on with this fascinating mess of a video game. But he's left a few questions. How did this game get made? How did it not completely salt the earth of the franchise? Was it a success? Which we know the answer is no. I mean, arguably. If so, then how? And how did they improve so much for Street Fighter 2? That's a story for Street Fighter (laughs) 2. So. I don't know, Dave. It just seems like you didn't really like it, which seems to be a common occurrence. But let's take it up to our next user and see what they felt. So next up, we have Flowey Power from Groovy who says they are a total novice to video games, only having real experience from beat-em-ups and some Kirby mini-games. But after giving Street Fighter a genuine try and comparing it to Street Fighter 2 on the 30th anniversary collection, they still feel they can confidently say, it's a broken mess. Flowey can succeeded in beating 8 of the 10 fighters in the campaign of the game playing as Ryu, who by the way, is the only playable character except for Ken if you're playing two-player. But admitted defeat after failing to even win one match against Aiden after 50 or so tries. The main idea of having fist and kicking moves with different power is kind of good, but the normal attacks barely do a scratch on the enemies. Meanwhile, they do absurd amounts of damage just by regular attacks, making close combat far from worthwhile. Instead, you only have a decent chance of winning by doing any of the combo attacks, preferably the two that shoots fireballs. 
two Hadouken attacks are enough to eat up more than 80% of health on all opponents. The fun thing is that this game is infamous for inconsistency and actually being able to pull the specials off. They managed to maybe do Hadouken 40% of the time, and the rate didn't increase with playtime, implying input controls inherent to the programming. Well, I mean, it was the first. There's always... I wouldn't say always issues with the first, but it was the first. Absolutely. So, I think for our last one, Dave, we're going to look at user Garnavi from Groovy, who sums it up quite well. So they say that everyone knows this game is trash. It may have gone on to spawn the franchise that defined the whole fighting game genre, but its first entry is more or less a worse version of Yi'ar Kung Fu. They have no shame admitting that they set it to the easiest difficulty, safe states after every round victory, and got through almost entirely by spamming Ryu's extremely fidgety but very powerful specials. They even beat Sagat with a Shoryuken, which is basically canon. It, it pretty much is canon. Also, Sagat's one of the few... There's only a couple fighters that they moved from the first one on, other than Ru and Ken. Sagat's one of them. So, um. so yeah, that's that's what uh, the, everyone thought about it, Dave. It's, it's not a good game. It... It's not a good game in context. No, I, I think it's it's very hard to look back on this when you compare it to Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 is a better game every which way. And it, it you know, because of what it was and how popular it became, uh, the Championship Edition is actually was more of them balancing it for competitiveness and here in the first one they just wanted to make the game competitiveness wasn't a thing it wasn't designed even as a two-player game you know that the two-player was really an afterthought it was designed to be rue versus all these computer players and then ken's just thrown in there you know the second one when they realized how much people enjoyed fighting one another they took the second one they ran with that concept as well as making all these different characters so street fighter 2 is a whole different story you know, but we're back here at Street Fighter and it's really, I, I can't, it's hard for me to explain to you how important Street Fighter is. I don't want to understate its importance in any way, shape or form. You know, so much of its design, this genre's design hasn't been changed in this, in the 35 years since they created it. It has rounds as a one-on-one fighting game. That whole one round of three, you know, three matches or, or three rounds per match, best of three. That's every fighting game has that um, blocking. There are now games and, and competitive players whose whole fighting style hinges on being good blockers and special moves. I, I, what fun are any of these games without all the special moves you can pull off? You know, the whole, genre of fighting game hinges on these concepts um and while street fighter isn't a runaway hit it wasn't it didn't sell great admittedly um but it sold well enough that capcom decided to take this formula revolutionize it and run away with it with street fighter 2 which is something really really interesting um Remember back to the creation of Street Fighter, it was an idea that popped up in his head while he was sitting in a board meeting? Yeah. Yeah. So the guy that was sitting next to him was Yoshiki Okamoto. I had mentioned that. I mentioned that they interviewed one another. You know, he wasn't part of this project. He just looked down at the paper at some scribbles and he goes, yeah, that would be okay. Now... After Street Fighter, Nishiyama would leave Capcom to go work for SNK, which I'll talk about in just a moment. And the producer that Capcom tapped to to carry on the Street Fighter series would be Okamoto. So they have hazardly, because they probably didn't know this, 
they haphazardly gave it from one guy that was sitting there at its creation to the other guy that was sitting there at its creation, you know? And it's really interesting to think about what... It, this is this is one of the most successful franchises of all time, and it really just got its start because they were sitting bored in a sales meeting. I don't know why, but that just tickles me every time I think about it. So Nishiyama leaves Capcom, like I said, to join SNK. His first project with SNK was on the Neo Geo, which is a console that they made, um, a console that I remember everyone wanted to have at the time. It is, I'm going to leave it story for later because I actually have it on the schedule for an episode uh, next year in 2023. I believe it came out in April of, um, I don't remember the year to be honest with you, but I'm pretty sure it's an April episode. So, you know, longtime listeners, stay tuned for that later on. And then after creating the Neo Geo for it, he created another fighting franchise, Fatal Fury. You ever played a Fatal Fury game, Rob? I have not, Dave. So I'm not a fan of Fatal Fury, but it is... It's known for its story, and it's it's a different type of fighting style. But it's really interesting to think about that pivotal moment, right? Because if Nishiyama had stayed at Capcom... Even he said in his interview, if he had stayed with it, Street Fighter 2 would have likely looked more like what Fatal Fury was because that was what the idea, how the idea second his head evolved as opposed to where Okamoto took it and turned it into Street Fighter 2. So it's one of those like moments, divergent moments. There's an alternate universe somewhere where Nishiyama stayed with the franchise and we got a Street Fighter series that's like Fatal Fury and Fatal Fury isn't nearly as popular. So then there's always the argument, would the game have been anywhere near as popular if if Nishiyama had stuck with it and it turned into the Fatal Fury fan- franchise, you know? Um, guess we'll never know, Dave. Guess we'll never know. Well, aside from Fatal Fury, Nishiyama also worked on the King of Fighters series. Have you ever played any of those? Cannot say that I have. How about Metal Slug? Mm, nope, nope, doesn't sound familiar. All right. Well, those are all other series he worked on. Metal Slug is a pretty well-known run-and-gun shooter series. He left SNK in the year 2000 to found his own company, Dimps. Uh, and as a company, Dimps is doing pretty good for itself. It takes on a lot of contract work. Um, it, for instance, is a developer that made Dragon Ball Z Budokai, which I know oh. you played. So wow. Um, they made Sonic the Hedgehog episode four. They've done a few Sonic games. Actually, they worked on Soul Calibur six. Um, they just, they take on a lot of contract work. They make lots of other games, um, with other developers to help pay the bills. Most importantly though, to today's story, they are the development studio that worked on the latest installments of the street fighter games, uh, four and five. So Dimps. Dimps was the team that worked on both of those. And Nishiyama himself is the boss of Dimps, spends a lot of his time doing boss management type things and not as much time doing game design things. But with that being said, he was the executive producer on Street Fighter 4 and had some design say in it. So 35 years later, you know, he's been in the industry for almost 40 years actually he's still here in video game land making history i guess you could say so there you go right on dave um yeah okamoto did some things either i'll wait to talk about him because again he's pretty pivotal to pivotal to the story of street fighter 2 and that's a whole interesting story in itself so um i'll have to look at that and we'll cover that someday but um yeah these guys these guys it was really cool i'll put it in the show notes um but it was really cool to sit there and and look at these guys that like they're just sitting on a couch having a chat and to think that one day they were just sitting in a a board meeting and Hmm. you know he just started scribbling on a piece of paper and another dude goes yeah that looks cool that looks cool and then he takes it and runs with it and it turns into like the golden standard of 
fighting games. I don't know if I'd call it the golden standard anymore. I, I think competitively there are other fighting games that have taken the helm, but it definitely created the genre. I, I, I think there's little, and there's little to no way you can debate that. So yeah. Uh, if you want to go check out that interview, like I said, I'll post it on the show notes. Of course you can find my show notes, all my research, these playthrough things like that. Um, on the site for each of our individual episodes. You can find a list of all of our episodes on www.memorycardlane.com. Also on our website, we have links to our Discord. If you'd like to come play games with us or talk to us, ask questions, give us your own memories. There is our... There, there is our... There are our biographies. There... What else is on there? Am I forgetting about calendar of upcoming events? If you want to know what games we're going to cover from now to the end of the year. Um, so you can pipe in and email us or send us your, your, your ideas. We have a list of all, you know, a calendar of upcoming episodes. So there's a lot of really great stuff that you can find on our website. Again, that's www.memorycardlane.com. You can also find links to our social media platforms. I'm on various things as David is wrong. Rob, what's your social media plug? Uh, I can be found on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. Well, there you go. Fat boy rips. Um, fat boy rippy rippy rips. Well, Rob, 35 years of Street Fighter. You you said that you're not familiar with the original. Which ones in the series have you played? Um, <laughs> bless you. Thanks. I don't know specifically. I feel like four, five. I don't know. Like I, I hopped online to look at the series, and one of them, ironically enough, is on sale right now for four ninety nine. I think it's the base version of five. Um, base version of five is four ninety nine on Steam right now. So I, I, I played it for a little bit just to see if the the series. I'm. I'm not a huge fighting game guy. I'm not a competitive gamer. As you know, I, I just don't have, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like to play, but I don't have that really competitive streak in me. And so like, I feel like to play these games and be really good at them. You have to have that in you. And I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care enough to have that in me basically. So I definitely know that feeling Dave, but um, it's nice to see that these games are still going, you know, we have, uh, five, I know they're working on a new installment in the series, so Street Fighter's not going anywhere, and, um, yeah, Street Fighter's not going anywhere, you know, it's, it's still, you know, we have it on the computer and consoles, and they still make it as arcade cabinets, and 35 years later, we're still celebrating the game and talking about the game, and somewhere people are being competitive with the game, and, I think that's a, a pretty impressive achievement, you know? I definitely agree. So, Dave. And, of course, pop culturally, the Hadouken, uh, uh, I mean, that's, people know that one. I think people that don't know Street Fighter know that one. Is that a fair statement? Sure, you can. Yeah, exactly. Battle Station, your model. Anyways, um... You know, we start out at the top. Each week we want to tell you a story about a game, in this case Street Fighter. You know, as we tell you this story, our goal is to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gives back to the world as its legacy. One of the really nice things about doing these episodes every week is that we learn things. That's my favorite part about this. You know, I... I couldn't have told you much about the history of Street Fighter, you know, before doing this episode. Now I can. I genuinely like learning about video game history. So I get to learn every week and I get to pass it on to you. This is a pretty cool gig, to be honest with you. I love it. It's part of our acknowledgement of teaching. I just, we like to learn, you know, and admit that we learn. So every week we like to go back and we like to go round table and say, hey, what did I learn this week? So Rob, what was your biggest takeaway? easily that this came from a board meeting <laughs> literally a board board meeting 
Oh yes, a boring board meeting. But he, <laughs> he was he was bored in a meeting, and that makes it a board meeting. But that's hands down. I think that's the greatest thing. Um, you know, I just the fact that such a large series and it, that it was so influential came because someone else hated meetings that just felt I, boring. I didn't dig that far, but I think I might for my own purposes. I really want to see if that first sheet of paper still exists. Um, oh, that would be very interesting to see. You, yeah, you know that I like those documents like that. I, you know, I try to dig them where where I can, but I honestly didn't have a chance to do so yet. And I, I'm I'm really fascinated by that. I did. There's a really fascinating book that I got to take excerpts from that they literally wrote a book. It's an oral history of street fighter. And that's where a lot of the, like, not just that interview, but um, a lot of the anecdotes we talked about today are, you know, in terms of like the deluxe arcade cabinet, blooding people up and, and them needing to adjust it and everything. Um, I'll, I'll post a link to that on, um, on the show notes as well. You know, the book. So if you wanted to pick it up and learn more about street fighter, it's it's really fascinating some of the little things that come out these are really fun because these a lot of these people are still with us and active in the video game industry and so you know they're sitting down and 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 willingly talking about their stories you know some of the games we talk about it's really hard to dig the information out but there's a a ton of it on this and it's really fascinating to get to so to speak get everything from the horse's mouth uh, especially these two guys that basically one created the series and one made it one of the most influential of all time, you know? Absolutely, Dave. Um, so all that'll be on there. All that'll be on there. So, uh, what about, what about you, Dave? What was your biggest takeaway? I was, I mean, I, who doesn't like the board board meeting? That was obviously new. Um, but I'm really fascinated. I, I didn't realize that, Nishiyama left Capcom to go to SNK and then created the Fatal Fury series. Now I know of Fatal Fury. I've played it here and there, but it's not Street Fighter. It I, I like the what if scenario that came from this. The thought that like he left and then it was given to Okamoto and then he went to create Fatal Fury. I, I like the thought of, of that Street Fighter could have looked completely different had he stuck around and continued the series. And then would we be where we are today with Street Fighter? Because I don't think personally, I don't find Fatal Fury to be nearly as good because it's not it, it doesn't try to be a competitive fighter. It's not the same style of gameplay. Um, it's more story based. It's more what they were trying to do in this first one where they created a single like Rue. Here's a story. Go fight against the computer. The Fatal Fury series is more like that. And I just the the what if of the concept I find the most fascinating that the one series has these two divergent paths. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, it is very interesting when you put it in perspective like that. So. All right. Well, that'll about sum it up. We've um, told you the history of Street Fighter here celebrating its 35th anniversary, 35 years of Street Fighter. So that is fantastic. Um, Rob, before I take it out of here and, 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 and give people a little teaser for next week, is there anything that you'd like to add to today's episode? As always, I would like to take one quick moment to say thank you to everyone for listening. It means the world to us. I say that a lot, but really, it does. Because you're on this journey with us, week in, week out. So thank you. Indeed. Well, on that note, I'm going to take it out of here. Next You do week, that, Dave. Yeah. Get, I'm, get out. I'm, just, what, just go. No. Nope, just, just go. Just go. Okay. All right. Well, next, next week, week we're going to look at one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next week, we're going to be looking at another one of the cinematic platformer games in the history of the cinematic video game genre in the past uh, in previous episodes rather we've tackled fantasy in the prince of persia game we've tackled horror as we went through alone in the dark and this time we're going to take a look at a sci-fi version of these games a little sci-fi spin on things as we talk about another world or as it's known here in the states out of this world it's 
a game whose influence can be found all throughout the video game industry. So next week, we're going to take a look at the game. We're going to take a look at its creator. And we're going to take a look at all the games and game designers who cite it as inspiration. So we're going to track how it reverberates through the video game industry. So another world, man. Stick around and join us next week as we take a dangerous trip to a dangerous place. And yet another trip down memory card lane. Do the thing. Skip up that and do the boot and up and boot and bah.